do your best to destroy like your self-doubt and your fear of failure. You can let something get you down or you can see it as a way to grow. So I think if you do your best to do that, keep a positive attitude, that makes a big difference. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey everyone, we're back again on the Millennial Doc Podcast, and today I am speaking with Dr. Logan Kolb, and I'm very happy to have him on the show, so welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nicoletta. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. You know, you have a podcast that's really awesome, so I want to share it to my listeners. So before we get Thank started, you. though, I always like to start with some questions just for my listeners to get to know you quickly. Is that all good with you? Yeah, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in southeastern Minnesota outside of a small town called Plainview. It's about 3,000 people, and it's about a half hour or so from Rochester you know, Land of Mayo Clinic, um, and actually I've accepted a job uh, at the other hospital in town, Olmstead Medical Center, where I'll be starting next summer once we graduate finally. So. Oh, yay, that's awesome. I grew up in Cleveland, so, but Minnesota is even colder. Like, their winters are legitly, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. I was home for the holidays a couple years ago, and my eyes literally froze shut after, like, oh my they God. in the face, and they teared up and froze. I'm like, wow, I gotta get back to Jacksonville here pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, give it a shot. Definitely. So I was going to ask you, where are you currently and how long have you been there? So I'm currently in Jacksonville, Florida, and I've been there for the last uh, two years and a handful of months doing my residency there at Orange Park Medical Center. So. Okay. And you're currently in what year of your dermatology residency? So I'm a third year, third year, final year. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Do you have a favorite quote that you look at every day or go by? Yeah, there's a, a can I do two? Can I break the rules? Sure. Or? Yeah. All right. So one of them I really like comes from a song. I'm a big music guy, but it's a band called ALO. And in one of their songs, they say, everything that is was once a thought in someone's mind. And I think it's just really cool to think about, you know, everything we look around, this, you know, quote unquote, man-made was always just, it started with somebody's idea. And it's an idea that somebody, you know, acted out on and, you know, brought something into existence, whether it's, you know, a car or your coffee thermos or a billboard or anything. So it just kind of wakens that entrepreneurial spirit in me a little bit. So I really like that one. And then the second one I really like and think about a lot is, I believe it's Einstein. And he says, the more I learn, the more I realize that I don't know. And that's really rang true for me in first year of Durham. Because as you know, I mean, Durham is just a beast. There's so much to know and learn. And it gets really overwhelming in first year. And I saw that quote on the Facebook feed. And I was just like, wow, okay. It just really helps put it in perspective. You know, like you're learning a lot, but then you realize that there's other things that you got to learn about it. So um, it just kind of put my mind at ease a little bit when it was getting pretty tough in first year. Love that. What is one of your superpowers? One of my superpowers? Uh, let's see. I would say I have a knack for helping or like coming up with ways to remember different things, like coming up with mnemonics, little acronyms. Like I think I annoy my co-residents a little bit, but at the same time, just coming up with ways to remember stuff. 
Oh my, that is so funny because I actually, I do something, I do similar and like my co-residents, they're like, oh, not another one of hers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I do it all the time, but it's like, sometimes if you can't make something stick, you got to come up with a way to start. Right. It's funny, I think it really stems from playing a lot of Scrabble with my grandma when I was a kid. And like, (laughs) even me and Nana Cole, like we bought her an iPad for her 90th birthday. And we'd play Words with Friends even when I was in med school and she was so smart and she would like still beat me. But I just, something about like finding letters and putting them into a word and making it remember, I don't know. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Okay. So what is one of your favorite books? And it could be like non-medical or just any like last book that you read. Okay. I really like a book, uh, again, it's a music one and it was by Victor Wooten and it's called The Music Lesson. And it's the only book I've read twice. And he just takes the different dynamics of music and kind of ties them into real life. And it was just a really inspiring book to like listen to like as a musician or to read as a musician. Just like life advice, you know, like every song needs rest. You know, we all need to take a break from our everyday life. And he just ties it in really beautifully. So it was really interesting to read. That's awesome. Do you a musician? What do you play? Yeah, I played mostly guitar. Actually, I started out playing trumpet back in high school and then played in a band in college with my brother and some good friends. So I started on like rhythm guitar a little bit. And then the last couple of years, I've been playing a little bit more bass guitar because uh, it's easier to find a gig, so to speak. Um, you know, if you can play something that there aren't as many players out there like bass. So my brother is a touring drummer and he came through Florida last winter on a tour. So I was able to join them for a show when they're in Jacksonville so it's kind of fun to be able to step back from you know work and stress a little bit and jam out so definitely have you ever uh, played ukulele yeah actually I love the ukulele such a fun pretty instrument and it's just it's so portable that's what I love I mean definitely pack it up and take it to the beach or wherever you're going yeah We have one at home too. No, my husband plays guitar and he has ukulele too. But the ukulele, like he just loves, like you said, bringing it anywhere, like to someone's house, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's easy and it's a lot of fun. You should totally learn. I know I should. I used to play piano when I was young, but I played like flute when I was like in middle school, stopped in high school, but I have some musical background. So mm-hmm. hopefully I could probably just, you know, just learn. Why not? Right. <laughs> Take classes. I think you totally learn. should. You know, yeah. it's funny because I spent all those years playing trumpet and, you know, at the time I'm like, I'm never going to use this. I'm never going to like play trumpet, whatever. But you learn to play music when you do that. You know, you learn dynamics and notes and scales and you can apply it to other instruments. So it's, I don't know, yeah. it's fun. Cool. Gave me an idea. <laughs> All right. So who is someone that like has you need changed something your... Else on your plate? <laughs> right. I know. I know. Well, maybe later, <laughs> like me and my husband kind of like do that again together. <laughs> when your baby's older. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause he'll be teaching him piano and all that stuff. So <laughs> who is someone that really has changed your life? I would say my wife, Jenny. She's the, we've been together for almost 10 years now and she's just amazing and brings joy to me every single day and I feel like I can't imagine life without her not to sound too corny and mushy but I just she definitely changed my life I love her oh that's beautiful (laughs) what is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far so I would actually say that recording a couple of albums with the band I played with in college before I went to med school was something I'm actually really proud of just because you know if I for, and this sounds bad, but like to die today, I feel like that would be something I would leave behind for my family and friends and they could hear some of the songs I played on or, you know, songs I wrote, the kind of the emotion that comes through them. So my grandma was actually, my other grandma was a really good painter and she painted for a lot of her life until she was 
in her mid 90s. And when she passed away at her funeral, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, we're all like clamoring for her, clamoring for her artwork, you know, and I've got a couple of her pieces that have been up in my apartment now, have them for forever, basically. And I think just when you create something like that, that'll be around for a while. It's just, no, oh, that's cool. really meaningful. Yeah, no, it's such a good idea. Wow. Plan the podcast, right? So I know, people can listen to you. Listen to you. No, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you go to school prior to, you know, your Durham residency and all that? Yeah, like college and all that stuff? Yeah, you could say col- college med school and anything else in between. Okay. All right, perfect. So I went to the University of Wisconsin in La Crosse. So it's an offshoot of their main campus. And then I went to med school in Des Moines, Iowa at Des Moines University. And then I did my internship down in Miami at Larkin Community Hospital. And then I've been in, at Orange Park Medical Center. So kind of mostly Midwest, jumped down to Florida for Durham. So. Wow, nice. And, and so you are planning on going back to Minnesota for, to work? Yep, yep, exactly. So I just uh, want to get back home. It's, yep. I mean, me and my wife, Jenny, we love Florida. We love Jacksonville, especially. It's such a great town, a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff to do, hiking and all those sorts of things. Yeah. But just to get back by family and friends, we want to start having a family. It's just exactly. it's easier having parents around. and you know, Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so what is something you do every day uh, to build your confidence skills? And actually, it's funny. I picked up doing this more from your MD Minute. You know, you talked about starting your day kind of with like prayer and intention. And, you know, I do that sporadically, but I've made a much better habit of it. But I think one thing to help my confidence is I try to really take five minutes and visualize my day going really well. Working in clinics, connecting with patients, making good diagnosis, this and that. Because I think it really does make a difference, honestly. And I know that they've done studies for like in sports, you know, if people visualize making free throws, it works almost just as well as practicing them physically. So yeah. I think it makes a big difference. Wonderful. And then what are you really grateful for today? Lots of things. I think just to be sitting here healthy, happy, you know, we're at this conference with all my co-residents in Philly for National Thoracic Foundation, and they're just a fun group to be around. So yep. Awesome. And I've already expressed my great and having some time to spend with them here. Wonderful. Okay, so I would just love to like get to know really the timeline of how and when you decided to, you know, first become a physician and then when in that timeline did you decide that you wanted to become a dermatologist and within that whole journey as you're talking, you know, sharing any uh, tips for any current like listeners that are going through the process, you know? For me, when I was in college at the University of Wisconsin and La Crosse, I spent a couple summers working at Mayo Clinic and I started as a patient service representative. So it was kind of like working a front desk and things like that. And at that point I knew I love science and math. You know, I thought I'd end up in healthcare somewhere, but I really didn't even have my eyes on med school because I didn't really know any doctors or um, anyone really that close to that. I mean, my mom was a nurse, but, but I didn't have any doctors in the family. And one, I just remember one of the docs there, uh, told me like you know you should really think about med school like you seem to really enjoy you know talking to patients and this and that so I'm like sure why not you know and I decided to apply to med school and then you know I got in EMU and you know I didn't know what I wanted to do I did work in research in the ER at Mayo for a while so and I worked on some chest pain studies of course like I thought I'd be a cardiologist I really loved emergency medicine and then you get to your third year clinicals and you have like a patient crashing in front of you. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so 
And it was on my family practice rotation that I just really started connecting a lot with the patients that had skin issues because I've really dealt with them a long time. I've, I've had psoriasis since I was a kid and atopic germs. So that's a lot of fun when you're, you know, growing up in the Midwest and it's cold in the winter and it's dry. So, right. it's, you know, my skin has always been a struggle. So I felt like I really connected with patients more on that end. So I decided, all right, I'm going to check out, the, you know, what Derm has to offer. And I did some shadowing and then I just knew. So it's like, all right, you know, you want to do Derm. And then it's like a whole nother mountain to climb after that. You know, how do you apply? Where do you audition? What's the process for that? And sometimes, you know, not a lot of people are going into it at your med school. So I got pretty lucky. There was a guy in the class above me, Colin Blattner, who had already done all that stuff. And I reached out to him and he was kind of my mentor through it. So, you know, yes, what advice would I give to people? It's definitely to find a mentor in whatever you want to do. If you are applying to medical school, we'll find someone at your college who's, you know, in the pre-med club that can kind of help you with the application. If you're already in medical in medical school, you know, and you want to do a certain specialty, find somebody who's already been there. And don't be afraid to reach out to people. I think that's, you know, it's hard to ask for help. You don't want to be a burden on anybody, but people are so happy to do it. And now that, you know, I'm in these shoes, I'm, I love talking to medical students that are rotating and auditioning and giving them advice. You know, people are happy to pay it forward. So that'd be my biggest advice find a mentor. I love that. And then when they find a mentor, like kind of try to, you know, keep that relationship for even once you say they helped you with that first step, maybe like to get into Mm -hmm. medical school or to get into your residency, but kind of make sure that you nurture that relationship and kind of continue it because not only maybe, you know, you can help them later or they can help you again or, or whatever it is, you know, so that's also important, right? To kind of keep nurturing that relationship. If you start doing research early with say a dermatologist or whatever specialty you're doing, you may not know if that's something you do want to apply to, but just continue to just nurture that, you know, say hello. If you're not working them with them on something currently but just kind of keep that relationship like there always you know so oh 100 percent. and I, i'd almost have to give another shout out so when i was doing that work at mayo and research so dr chris rusty was a do who worked in the er there and did a lot of research too so he was a great mentor i actually ended up going to the same medical school that he did you know he wrote me great letters and i remember him telling me like you know look i'm happy to do this make sure you pay it forward and you know and i have i've written letters to several friends applying to you know, medical school or, you know, other things. And you're absolutely right too, that the research is really helpful if you can get into that right away. Um, And I got really lucky where I was able to get a few publications going into medical school. So, so, so did you, my question is, so when you were, you said that you were rotating at Mayo, was that an undergrad before deciding to go into med school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they do summer internships. Some of them are more focused in research. Some of them are more clinical. And, you know, you have to apply for them and those types of things. So Got it. it I did that through Cleveland you're... Clinic as well. Oh, so okay. nice. it's probably similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the, the two-headed beast. They're both right. awesome hospitals. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so my mom was a nurse there. So I think they give a little bit of preference if you have family that works there. So that definitely helps. But, yeah, just get your – and that's the other thing, too. Get your shoe in the door at – you know, if there is a well-respected institution around, if you can get in at Cleveland Clinic, at Mayo Clinic, it's awesome on your resume. So – For sure. Definitely good advice. So you were saying then when you decided, so you were in family medicine and then you decided you wanted to go into dermatology and then take me through, you said that you had a few research papers going into medical school, but was that all kind of focused? Were you already working in derm at that point or were you more doing that like later on in med school? 
Yeah. So I didn't have a whole lot, you know, the first two years of med school are busy. I didn't do much research then. When I decided Derm, it was, you know, spending time setting up the auditions was step one. But then when I got to my first audition, I think I ended up, you know, and that's advice for people auditioning in Durham specifically, I guess, or any other specialty. But I asked the residents, you know, do you have anything you want to write up? And I think I wrote, you know, three case reports the first rotation I did. I just really wanted to get after it to get some publications. And, you know, I think for the experience of it too, whenever you write anything in research, you definitely learn it. You know it really well. Definitely. And I think the tip to give to students asking for these is kind of, I, I always tell students that, you know what, don't be afraid to bug me because like when you're a resident, you know, you're just so busy with studying, with working with patients, tasks and everything that just don't like bug me as in like remind me and, and that you need help or that you want something, you know, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to like, you know, in a gentle way, just like go for it. And, and it's okay to be ambitious, but sometimes like don't hesitate basically, you know, yeah. people are just busy a lot, but just, I, I tell them, you know, feel free to reach out because I forget, but bug me basically to remind me to help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do the same thing. Like we're busy, but you know, just an extra email, a, a nice nudge is fine. A yes. nudge, nice nudge is fine, but you know, obviously you don't want to be like crazy overbearing. Right, but. right. Exactly. So <laughs> what inspired you to start? I want to talk a lot about that in your new podcast. So what inspired you to start your podcast? What's the name of it? And tell me more about why people should listen to it who, you know, are not are in medicine or, or anything. Yeah. Um, I guess like a lot of everyone. So when I got to the point when I, you know, started auditioning in Durham, like I said, Durham is like this monster. You like, where do you start with rashes and all this stuff? So my first rotation was at the St. Joe's program around Detroit, and I had an hour commute every day. So you know, I looked to see what podcasts were out there, and there is the the Dermcast TV one that you know they have some really great podcasts out there, but um, it was a little over my head, you know, they kind of, they hit recorded a lot of conferences and they have really great, well-renowned speakers, but I definitely learned a lot by doing it, but it was in that moment where I was like, man, I really wish there was one just dedicated to Derm and someone in my shoes. So that kind of, that's when the idea was born to do my own. And I can't remember the, the second part of your question. Yeah, I love that. So it's called oh, the yeah, Learn exactly. Derm Podcast. And then, so what exactly are, are all your episodes? Like, are they all the same formats? Kind of like, what do you go through? Is each episode maybe a different diagnosis or? So, so yeah, like you said, it's the Learn Derm Podcast. And it's really, the way I've formatted the first kind of four or five seasons that I'll do is off a reaction pattern to diagnosis. And this is a whole approach to rashes and lesions that was written up by Dr. Dropper. And I have an interview with him in the third episode where we kind of talk about where the reaction patterns came from. But, you know, when you look at a rash or lesion, you know, I always thought as a student, like, oh, they just look and you know, but like, you have to have an approach to it. So it breaks it into five little categories. You know, is it more vascular? Is it more inseminative? Is it papulosquamous? So then I'm going to base the first large batch of episodes on those reaction patterns and walk through each of them one by one. So the first season, I've got 14 episodes out now, one more coming next week. We've gone through all the papulosquamous and the eczematous disorders. And so each episode kind of follows a similar format where it starts with reviewing those reaction patterns and kind of just the repetition kind of burns that into your brain and then talking about, you know, whatever rash it might be. And I also really try to do my best to make sure I have a good differential diagnosis, you know, the different things that look similar, but they're different. And what I really try to focus the content on is, you know, 
what's going to help you at the bedside or what's going to help you in the hospital. So, you know, what questions should you be asking the patient about the rash? What things you should be looking for in physical exam? Because I think in medical school, we get taught a lot of medicine backwards. We, you show up for lecture, the first PowerPoint is on COPD and, you know, they, you're given the diagnosis right away and then you're told all the symptoms and things. But, you know, patients present with shortness of breath or a cough. So there was a podcast in med school called EM Basic, where Dr. C. Carroll kind of goes through more of a chief complaint-based approach to, you know, everything in emergency medicine. So I'm trying to do something similar like that for DERM, basically. And I just think the reaction pattern that Dr. Gropper organized, I just thought that was a perfect, almost like curriculum for setting up the episode. So that's awesome. So is season is like each season a different reaction pattern or is it like the season encompasses all of the reaction patterns for derm? Yeah. So each one, the way it's set up now, it depends how many disorders are in a reaction pattern. So the first season there's two reaction patterns and that covers papulosquamous, kind of like psoriasis or eczematous. And then the next season is going to be the vascular reaction pattern. You know, things like erythema multiforme, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, morbilliform rashes. I mean, there's like a big differential. But that content is kind of heavy. I mean, some of the, you know, vasculitis, they're really tough, complicated concepts. So with this next coming season, there'll be about 15 episodes each, starting with some more bread and butter topics like acne and basal cell carcinomas, squamous cell carcinomas, just so... You know, the students that's auditioning in Durham or, you know, really anyone, other people too, you know, PAs, nurse practitioners, or someone in primary care, trying to give them like a good foundation of knowledge for this bread and butter Durham. Because, you know, Durham's hard. And it's, you know, I, I just think about when I was starting out, like where I was at and, you know, what confused me. So trying to take that approach. And that's great. Well, you answered my next situation. question, which was just like, who is your main, like, who is your main, like target listeners or, you know, for your podcast? Is it only people in the medical field? I mean, or. Yeah. So the way I initially wrote the episodes is for the medical student that's auditioning in Durham. But, you know, as I was writing the stuff, I, I realized that, you, you know, the process of writing an episode, recording it, editing it, it's helping me learn a ton by doing it. So I'm also trying to put in stuff that I really want to learn and stuff that I think is relevant. So I think the ideal niche for the listener would be the auditioning medical student or an intern or maybe like a first year germ resident. But as I've released the episode, I've had a lot of PAs that are working in dermatology, nurse practitioners, and even people in primary care that are reaching out and telling me how helpful the episodes are to and, uh, and that was something I had in mind, too, at the get-go, but I was actually really surprised at how many people on Instagram and stuff have really said, like, thank you so much, like, keep the episodes coming, so trying no, to do definitely. That. It's amazing when you get that feedback, like, because, and that's kind of goes into my, you know, it's hard to start a podcast, you know, just to get that first, like, just to go for it, and when, when you decided to do it, was anything at all holding you back, or was it like, ah, oh, is this a good time, or did you ever think of all these other things, kind of like I did, because I launched mine in, what, May? you know and you gotta you put yourself out there and everything you know oh yeah it it was such a journey yeah honestly it almost didn't happen I uh I mean to get the content ready write the episodes and so I recorded the first one and my plan was to edit them myself so I spent I think six hours on audacity you know editing cutting out all the little blips and this and that and then I went to save it and upload it and the whole program crashed and I was like devastated. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we don't have a lot of time. We're very busy in Durham. It doesn't seem like it on the outside, but we have a ton of reading and all of this and that. So I was devastated. I'm like, all right, I'll give it another shot. 
you know, maybe it was just one random thing that happened. And second time I spent like an hour and I did like a test save and it crashed again. And I was like, well, that's it. Like I, I, I can't do this. But thankfully, one of my old bandmates, Dan Thompson, done some editing and things like that. So I just reached out to him like, hey, would you be willing to help me get this podcast off the ground with editing? Because he has like professional software that he's bought and used. So uh, I am so grateful to him because if he had said like, yeah, I'll help you get this thing going, I don't know what would have happened. And uh, so that was definitely a huge challenge starting out is, oh, uh, with sure. the editing part. And it's, yeah. you know, I, I reached out to... Steve Carroll of the EM Basic podcast before I started and just got some advice. He's like, you know, look, the editing can take almost three times as long as the recording itself. So you got to really figure that out. And yeah, or hire just, um, out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't think it, you, I don't think you could do it all yourself. So um, yeah. I'm really grateful that Dan bailed me out. And yeah, that's awesome. Just, yeah find the time to do it yeah Yeah. so I think everyone you know even if you're not interested in Durham you know go I mean whatever it is just just go and check it out and you know show him some love and and, you know tag us and listen to something and definitely leave him a five-star review on his podcast and my next question is what (laughs) is your definition of an exceptional life in in medicine in the field of medicine an exceptional life in medicine I think it's balance I think that you know you have to be able to give it your all at work and take the best care of patients that you can. But at the same time, when you're able to leave for the day to be able to hopefully turn off as much as you can and still give it your all at home with your significant others, your kids, whatever, you know, whoever is at home with you and just finding that balance between the two, I think makes an exceptional life. You know, I pray every day to be happy and healthy and I wish the same for my family and friends. So, you know, if something isn't right, you know, you're being overworked or just, that you know there's there's other options you know if you have to look elsewhere um, because it's life's too short and I think that you have to do what's going to make you happy in the end Um, and if it's stepping back a little bit and finding that balance I think that's really important yep I love that that is just great advice I do want to share with everyone and and to ask you where can people other find you tell me the Instagram handle tell me you know of course we mentioned the podcast name if you have any other links social media anything else where people can directly find you message you talk to you okay yeah so I think probably Instagram is the best place learn during podcast on Instagram and the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play. So I think Instagram is a good place to reach out. We also have a Facebook account too. If you just search Learn Durham Podcast on either of those, that's a great way to reach out to me. And also, um, if you want to send me an email, learndurhampodcast at gmail.com would be another way to get to me. But yeah, I'd be happy. I love having discussions with people. People ask questions on the content or you yeah. know, they tell me, I want a little bit more of this in the episode, a little less of that. Um, or even if you're, you know, a medical student, someone that's going into Durham and, you know, you, you need a mentor, there's no one at your med school, I'm happy to do that and put you in touch with people I know at other schools or those types of things. So, Yeah, definitely. I love that. And anything else that you'd love to leave my millennial doc listeners with one thought for them to kind of, you know, start the week with? Yeah, I think a big thing is to, to do your best to destroy like your self-doubt and your fear of failure because it's something that everyone has you know our minds are always racing and telling us that we're not good enough or someone else is better out there but don't compare yourself to other people know that those feelings are normal but you just have to not be afraid to try new things know that it's not going to be perfect every time you do it but you have to use those imperfections as 
I'll put it in the words of Jerry Jeff Walker, one of my favorite country guys, is use your stumbling blocks for stepping stones. So I think it's all about attitude. So you can let something get you down or you can see it as a way to grow. So I think if you do your best to do that, keep a positive attitude, it makes a big difference. Yes, I love that. Hey guys, so I know that this episode is just incredible, especially for those of you interested in pursuing dermatology. So if you love this episode, text it to a friend or share it on social media. And guess what? So the first 10 people, when this episode launches, when the first 10 people that tag at Dr. Nicoletta and at Learn Derm Podcast and share this episode will receive $30 gift cards that can be used for Metalita brand white coats. And guess what? They have new student ones. So I know y'all all want to try to get that. So first 10 to do that and good luck. And you know what? Just go out there, inspire others. And thanks so much for listening to us today. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Nicoletta. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and Make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.